0: Good morning and welcome again. Good to see everyone. Uh, I realize that uh, especially on a beautiful day like this you could have been just about anywhere else. You could be camping, you could be uh, sleeping in after a long and busy weekend that you've already spent. You could be uh, out on the lake already. You could be just about any place but you're here and I want to thank you for that. I think that's a wise investment of your time. I think as a believer that if you're making it a priority to be where God's people are, to be where, where God's spirit is being, uh, is stirring us to worship him, when we're remembering what Jesus has done, what he's coming to do soon, what he's doing right now, good job. You're here. i love to remind you of that. Thank you for being that. And also thank you for being part of our story this morning, allowing us to have the chance to be part of yours. This is the last day of a series that we've been working through for quite some time now about um, ultimate authority, and, and we've used the idea of story itself quite some time. We started this back in Palm Sunday, and I won't walk you through the whole thing, but here's the bottom line. We are part of the biggest, truest, most amazing story there's ever been. The, the same story that is in the scriptures, the last chapter, the last act of that is right now. And we are serving the same God that the people in the Bible served. We are serving the same one. He has the same power, the same agenda. And this is actually what all the other stuff in the scriptures was pointing to. This is what Jesus had planned all along was for us to take it the rest of the way. To reach the whole world with the gospel. To be changed from the inside out because now his spirit lives in us And we are the physical manifestation of God on this planet because his spirit walks around in us. All of this, we're part of this. This is such an amazing responsibility, an amazing uh, amazing privilege. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing to be part of this story. So thank you for being part of that. And one more time, just let's remember who the hero of the story is. When the hero showed up in this story, it was Jesus, and no matter what other, how big of a part he's calling us to play, and that will be what we focus on today. One more time is the, the how much responsibility he put on us. We're going to focus on what he told us to do. But the hero of this story is and always will be Jesus Christ Himself. Would you read this word Acts, this word from God, with me? Acts four twelve says, "There is salvation in no one else." God has given no other name under heaven by which we may be saved. Jesus Christ is the ultimate authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth. He not only had that to start with before what the Bible calls the beginning, he already was with God. He already was God. He already was the ultimate order and the ultimate purpose of everything. But yet, he chose to come into, and through this story that we've been through so many times, through uh, what we celebrate at Palm Sunday and Easter, and what we celebrate every single week together, through all of this, Jesus actually also earned the title, earned the authority as the ultimate authority ever. And as soon as he did that, he spent a little over a month with his people, and he said, I need you to make sure you understand that we're building a kingdom and then, as he went back up to heaven, he said these words. And we walked through them so many times, I hope you've memorized them by now. I'm not even going to put it on the screen. You can say it with me or just listen. But here's what he said All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, better pay attention, right? Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the things that I have commanded you, and I will be with you always till the end of the age. One thing that I think uh, all the... uh, doesn't come through as clearly in English. I know sometimes uh, preachers are always kind of made fun of for going back to the Greek, but Greek was a great language. I studied it for four years, and it it was so precise and so awesome. And almost all the English translations, when they translate this thing that says go, they, they do it that way because go in English is imperative. When you say go, that means go. I'm telling you to do something. It's a command, and that is what it is. But in the original Greek, it actually would have read something more like as you go and the reason they most translations don't do that is because to us that sounds passive it's kind of like hey you know what Uh, on your way to wherever you're going you know you might want to think about making some disciples and there's a little bit of an aspect to that I think that God knows that we go a lot of different directions I think he knows that day to day that as we go not every single minute of every single day is is His exact purpose for us. But as we go through the day, absolutely, we should always be looking to Him, praying without ceasing. There's an aspect to that. But in the original, I want to make sure you understand this, this original command as you go is, is the strongest possible command there is in the Greek language. It means you don't have a choice. You are going. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me and as you go to do the things I'm telling you to do right now, there's no other option given. Does that make sense? It's, it's so powerful. There's no more powerful way to say this. this is not, there's no plan B. There's no other option that Jesus gives us as Christians other than to do these things, which is why we've walked through it, which is why it's so important that we keep recommitting to it and that we actually do that. It's amazing what can happen when people unite and fight for something with passion and with 100 percent commitment. Uh, many years ago there was a thing called World War II. You ever heard of that? The reason that, we, the reason that we still talk about this, the reason it became a world war, was because both sides, both sides, fought with passion and strategy. Yeah, there's no other way that a little place like Germany could kick something off that goes worldwide without passion. I'm not saying it was right. I'm saying they were strategic and they were passionate. Are you with me on this? And, and there was no way that that whole power and all, those, all the access powers could have been defeated without even better strategy and even more commitment on the side of the Allies. This is how it was. This is how it worked. And when you get to something like D-Day, And many of the other really strategic battles, there's a couple of reasons why they worked. And it's important that we this morning, as we are talking about one one more time, we've got to build this kingdom. We don't have a choice. Our only choice is how can we do it more strategically? How can we do it more effectively? How can we make sure it happens more than we ever have before? That's our only real choice as followers of Jesus. But here's here's one reason why in World War II, why some of these battles were so... Powerful. Number one, they were very smart and effective plants. They thought it through. They, I, I hope somebody prayed about it, but they definitely, they weren't just some random thing. I know, let's send a bunch of people to that one beach. Let's see what happens. D-Day was way, way more than that. The second thing was everybody was 100% committed. You see these guys in this boat? They have no idea if they're going to survive this day. They have no idea if they're gonna even make it to the shore. They have no idea what's gonna happen, but they're 100% committed. This is what's happening. This is what has to happen. This is the plan, and they were all in. And because they were all in, even though many, many, many of them died, we remembered many of them last week with Memorial Day, but even though many, many of them died, the battle was won. Because it was a good plan, it had to happen, and there was 100% commitment to it. This is the kind of commitment that we have to have. I, I, I love, um, one of my favorite movies of all time is Apollo 13. I love the, that story and I love that one scene in it where that guy sa- w- clears everything out and he clears off the whiteboard and he draws a little picture and he goes, failure is not an option. Do you guys remember that? I love that, it's inspiring for what it is. I still love that and I mean that, but hear me what I'm trying to say this morning for the people in this battle and for us today. Failure actually is an option. It it is an option. What's not an option is not trying. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you this morning? We're so afraid of failing at so many different things, so many different things in our lives, including sharing the gospel, including intentionally building our church bigger and stronger than it's ever been. We're so afraid of failing that sometimes we just don't even try. We just don't even care. And that's not an option. God would be much, much more comfortable with us failing, trying to obey Him than He would us just not caring and not trying at all. We have absolutely got to have the 100% commitment that these men had for us to live. Here, this, this kind of perspective is throughout the Scriptures, by the way. It's, it's not just a New Testament thing. It's certainly not something I'm making up trying to be dramatic this morning. In Ezekiel 33, there's a passage where God is talking to Ezekiel the prophet, and he says this, Now, Son of man, I am making you a watchman for the people of Israel. Watchman is kind of like a lookout. I'm making a watchman for the people of Israel. Therefore, listen to what I say and warn them for me. If I announce that some wicked people are sure to die and you fail to tell them to change their ways, then they will die in their sins and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. But if you warn them to repent and they don't repent, they will die in their sins, but you will have saved yourself. Do you see what's going on? He's not not telling Ezekiel, I'm going to judge you if you don't make everybody in Israel repent. But he is telling him, look, I'm holding you accountable to tell them what I told you to tell them. They're accountable to how they respond. You're accountable to do what I told you to do, to say what I told you to do. You better get it done. And that's all the way throughout Scripture. We spend a whole Sunday talking about, that's why we do strategic outreach. That's why we make plans. That's why we pray. Why we come up with, what if we did it this way? Maybe this could work. What's your strategic plan? If you've got your bulletin this morning, there's a bulletin insert in there as always. There's a little Bible study in there. A lot of scriptures that we don't even get to because I hope you take these home. I know the live groups do, and they actually study this even deeper alone, and I love that. There's a blank page, blank spot, a couple of spaces there. And this morning I'd love for everyone to at least encounter those ideas, if not actually physically fill them out. But this is what I'm asking you this morning. I'd like to recommend a three-part strategy for you and your outreach and it's simple it's kinda like D-Day, it's simple, it's not easy it's simple, you can do it, it's a really good plan but it's gonna take 100% commitment you ready? Three steps, number one pray, tell the story, live the story would you say that with me? pray, tell the story, live the story and when I say pray, this is not what I mean I do not mean Hey, hey, God, please um, bring more people to you. That's not it. I'm talking about focused prayer. I'm talking about praying specifically, praying at specific times, fasting and praying sometimes. I'm talking about focused prayer for specific people for specific parts, for praying for the leadership of this church, praying for the leadership of your small group, praying for yourselves, praying for your family, praying for each other, praying for your marriage, praying for your children, by name, specifically. And the people you're reaching out to, the people you're trying to leave to God, you go to Him daily and you throw them at His feet every single day, sometimes several times a day, and you say, God, you've got to bring this person back. I have to I have to throw my sister Rachel to him every day. It kills me. And she's just totally running from God right now. But every day I tell you, every day I try, and usually here's all I know. That's all I can do. Okay. I'm not responsible, but I am responsible if I don't pray for her. I am responsible if I don't bring it up sometimes. I am responsible if I don't show her, don't show her love. I am responsible if I don't keep trying, don't keep asking. Do you understand? Sorry, I really love her. But who are you going to reach out? You pray. Second thing is you tell the story. You've got to actually say it out loud. You've got to actually make time and make this happen. Or it's not going to happen. Anybody who's ever hunted or fished, you know that some days you go out there and you don't catch anything or find anything. But guess what? You never get anything unless you go hunting or fishing. You know what I'm saying? When you're sitting at home, you got nada and that's all there is to it. You've got to try it. And the third thing is you've got to live this story. You've got to be part of it. You've got to let God be changing you on a daily basis. You've got to let him be transforming you. You've got to make sure that you're doing the things and experiencing the things that you're inviting other people into to experience. And when those things happen, when those three things are happening, that's when you've created an atmosphere where real change can happen, where you can't actually reach people. It can happen with um, people of any age. I remember there was a group in uh, Sunnybrook. It's called Sunnybrook Christian Church in um, Stillwater, Oklahoma. And one day their Coke machine guy came in and he said, this is Sunnybrook Christian Church, right? And he said, yeah. He goes, your youth group changed our whole high school short version of the story i'd love to tell you more sometime the youth groups heard it several times over the years but this is all it was their youth minister like every good youth minister ever challenged them like i'm challenging you this morning that you just got to do these things and one of the things he said it gave them a specific idea is, look for the lonely people when you go to the church, uh, the school cafeteria look for the people that sit alone sit by them and two of the guys that were some of the most popular people in the school happened to go to that school, ha- happened to go to that church, and they went and uh, they were on the football team and everything. They, they walked into the school the very next day and they looked around saw somebody sitting alone, sat down by him, freaked the guy out. But little by little, that spiraled into the whole, what became cool at that high school in that era was looking for lonely people. Nobody's lonely here. Even the people that weren't Christians kind of got into that. Their youth group grew, their church grew, the community was changed just by that one simple choice. Nobody's going to be lonely here. As simple as this is, this is what works. Pray. Let's say it one more time together. Pray. Tell the story. Live the story. Strategy is also at the heart of the big idea that we explored recently called intentional diversity. And again, one more time, really quickly, you should go back and listen to that whole sermon online. If, you, if you're confused by those terms, you should hear, we really believe what we are saying. Super briefly, here's what we're not saying. By diversity, we do not mean that all truths are the same. They're not. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one. There's only one way to God. The, 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 the road to destruction is wide. The gate is narrow. That leads to life the road is narrow that leads to life we we believe that with all our heart we do not also where diversity is not something where we're arbitrarily creating groups and saying we need some of each one of those groups that that's kind of labeling it kind of makes the problem worse in some some ways here's what this does mean it's that we know as a church and we constantly remind ourselves and live this out that god's image is still within all of us and we are all invited into both salvation and transformation. No matter how badly any of us sinned, no matter how different we are, no matter how our cultures, our home, uh, our home choices, anything else, whatever we have done, we can come back to Christ. And that's available to all of us. But He requires, He requires all of us, whatever our backgrounds, whatever our opinions, whatever our ideas, whatever our cultures, He expects us to come and be saved And he expects us to be transformed to be more like him. That's what that means. It also means this. We have no chance. Again, we have no chance of reaching people we don't intentionally, strategically reach out to. So the only way we do anything that even close to looks like labeling is if you realize you're only talking to one community, try another community. If you realize there's a community somewhere within reach of this church that's not being being reached, we need to reach them. You you notice, you try, you fish in that pond. At least give God a chance to make that happen. Another thing that diversity means is that we celebrate and utilize all of our unique gifts. Because this is what God set it up to look like. He says we are his body. And we find our unity in our complete commitment to Christ. Listen one more time. We find our unity in our commitment to Christ and his purposes. Not in some arbitrary desire for unity itself. Does that make sense? We're okay with all of our differences. We embrace our differences if we can all find unity in our Christ himself and in his purposes for us. And we work together based on that. We're constantly all of us going back into his word and into his goals. That's where our unity is found. As long as we do that, there can be some flexibility on the edges if it's all going that direction. This Saturday is actually one of the ways that we're doing that. uh, Another part of diversity and strategic outreach is we team up with other churches, other people in the community who have these same passions. This Saturday night, this looks like an announcement, I guess it kind of is, but this is real. This is us trying to do this. This is one of the ways we're trying to make this happen. There's a Pentecost celebration at Forest Southwest Point, June 8th at 6 o'clock. Roan County Cooperative Ministries came up with it. A bunch of churches are are participating. Morrison Hill is coordinating the actual program, which is mostly just worship. There's also going to be stuff for kids. It's like a big birthday party for the church the night before Pentecost Sunday. So that's a pretty cool thing. Pretty, Pretty fun. This is one of several ways we're trying to team up with more people in the community to reach more people in the community. And that's the secret that's what we do we team up we use all of our gifts and our skills and we do it in a way that at least to the best of our abilities we're not leaving anyone out as as billy Canarium said last week in his sermon which was great by the way again billy good job but he said this is not a spectator sport this is not a spectator sport this is something that all of us have to do we all have to be part of Here are some other ways that we're reaching out as a church and ways that maybe you could be part of that. Our annual Lakota mission trip is coming up in just a couple weeks. There's a lot of information on the bulletin about that. If you'd like to either go or help send us in any way, you need to check that out. There's so many ways to do that. Also, uh, the missions bookmarks that got started last month, little updates. There's stuff on your pews, I believe, that that are there where you can um, keep up with that. Our our mission that we're praying for and focusing on the most this particular month is Smoky Mountain Christian Camp, who starts their another camp week today. Um, If you've got those little plastic sleeves already, that's great. If you don't, there's a couple more of those out there by the the missions bulletin board as well. But here's, here's my second challenge to you this morning. I'd like you to fill in these blanks in this next section. Whether you're physically writing it down or not, I hope, you, I hope everybody walks away with this idea today. Number one, this summer I will team up with blank to reach blank. That might be someone in your family, that might be your small group, that might be your Sunday school group, that might be, uh, it, it could be so many different things. But unless you have a plan, you're probably not going to get anything done. So as you pray and you tell the story and you live the story, you also need to take it a step further and say, this summer, put some time in your plan, okay? Yeah, an actual deadline. This summer, I will team up with blank to reach blank. And every single one of us, if we're going to obey the Great Commission, we need at least one answer to this. You understand? This is as you go. This is the most important thing we do. We've got to be doing this. This is what it means to be a Christian, is we are reaching out. So who are you going to team up with, and who are you going to reach? One of the reasons that Jesus said to baptize all the new believers... Is because the idea of immersion, it's another thing in the Greek thing. Baptize is an English word we made up. In the original Greek, it's baptizo. It means immerse, pure and simple. It means dunk, physically immerse. And the reason is it's both literal and also metaphorical. We are supposed to be immersed into Christ and into his purposes. We are completely all in every single time. It, it, and, and to be immersed into his plans is to be completely changed. Your whole life becomes about this mission in one way or another. Would you read this scripture with me aloud again? 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. Paul writes, Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. I actually looked this up uh, this week. I was surprised that this story I'm going to refer to right now is nine years old. This happened in 2010. But you guys remember the Chilean miners that got trapped in that big thing? Amazing story. And this is what it looks like when people team up, when they're fully immersed in a purpose, a united purpose. This is what it looks like. Just to remind you, here's some of the core facts We'll do this quickly so we can wrap up uh, with one final challenge this morning. But here's the thing. On August 5, 2010, 33 Chilean miners found themselves trapped and totally isolated about 2,300 feet underground. It took 17 days for their families to even find out that they were still alive. 17 days. That's a long two and a half weeks. The next day, they started sending down food, and then they could send down videos. They started out, they they came up with several different plans. And every single expert they consulted said there was a 0% chance of rescuing them, except for one, and he said there was a 1% chance of rescuing them. They would not give up. The president of Chile and several other people that worked at the mine, all of their families, many other people, as the word got out, literally from all over the world, started to team up. And they said, no, there's got to be a way. They're still okay. They've said, there's there's got to be a way. we got to get these guys out. They started working together. It's what Amy Edmondson, who's an expert on what's called extreme teaming, um, she, she, says, she describes us as one of the best examples ever of focused, positive, positive, Relentless leadership and teamwork. Absolute, 100% committed teamwork. Everyone in the whole equation threw out their pride and did whatever it took to get the job done. Here's her technical words for it. I thought it was good. I'll read this and then we'll just unpack what happened the rest of the story. She said, clusters of experts came up with remarkably complementary pieces of an ultimately viable, complex solution. What that means is a bunch of people got together and made it work. They did it. They somehow made it happen. By the end of this story, and it was, let me see, it was October 13th, okay? That's more than two months that they were down in that hole, okay? After almost two months, they not only got NASA involved, they've got everybody. It was incredible. All 33 were saved. All 33 were fine. And they all went on to live the rest of their lives. Most of them are still alive today. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like when we're fully immersed in a purpose. This is what it looks like when against all odds, people say, oh no, we might fail. In fact, they failed over and over and over again. Plan A failed. Plan B failed. Plan C failed. They tried and tried. They kept trying all different things. And day after day after day, they failed. But they would not give up. And they eventually got the job done this is what it looks like when people do this for even something that's not eternal even for something that's not commanded by the ultimate authority in heaven and on earth this is what it looks like when people even people who aren't necessarily God's people I'm not saying they weren't I'm just saying that's not what defined them what defined them was their unity based in this purpose they had to save these miners and this is what can happen when people do that. Imagine what could happen when we are united with God's purposes and we have God Himself on our side. So how do we do this? The world doesn't need another club. doesn't need another nation, another religion. It doesn't need any other little group. But guess what? That's not who we are. We are sharing the truth. We are sharing the one hope of this whole planet. Do you get that? We have the truth. We have the one true God. This is not some idea that we just kind of think about sometimes because we think it's fun. This is real. And we can do this. We can make this happen. How does it happen? It happens through connections with God and connections with other people that are built around this purpose. Would you read these final verses with me as we start to wrap up? John fifteen four. this is Jesus talking to each one of us and he says this. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Hebrews 10.25, Frank read this earlier. Thank you, Frank. Let's read it together right now. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. Here's one more challenge for you this morning. This has got to be a bare minimum. You should spend daily time with God. Daily time with God. And you should spend at least at least weekly time with God's people. Maybe that's in a big group. Maybe it's in a small group. Maybe it's your family devotions. Uh, maybe it's all alone with God and then with a, one or two people you meet for coffee and talk about Jesus. It could be a lot of different things. But you're not going to get anywhere with God. You're not going to get anywhere in building this kingdom. Our church is not going to grow. We are not going to grow spiritually or numerically or anything until we all commit to this. 100%. All of us, we all commit to this. And we say, no matter what, this is going to happen. Win or lose, live or die, I will do this. I'm going to connect with God. I'm going to connect with other people. And I am going to get this job done. Matthew seven twenty, Would you read this with me? It's again, the words of Jesus. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So what are you prepared to do? What are you prepared to do for the kingdom this morning? Maybe you need to join or rejoin the kingdom for the first time. Maybe you need to join or rejoin this church. Maybe you need to just come up here and pray or stay where you are and pray go to the back and pray there's some people that could pray with you I don't know what you need to do but if you're not on board with this plan you're missing the whole point this is why we spent so much time going through these ideas of story the idea of kingdom it's not like none of us have ever heard it before but until all of us do it this is who we are this is what we do we're missing it and we can't hope for it we we, we don't have any hope to grow We don't have any hope. We don't have any way to to grow unless we do these things, unless we live this way. So what are you prepared to do in response to the ultimate authority of Jesus Christ? Whatever you're prepared to do this morning, that's what I invite you to do.